welcome to Wisconsin DNR's Wild Wisconsin Off the Record Podcast. Information straight from the source. Welcome to another segment of the Wild Wisconsin Off the Record podcast. For everyone listening, as a reminder, what we did this year, we tried something new. Uh, we started a web series called Wild Wisconsin, um, and we covered everything deer in that. Those videos are on YouTube. Uh, they're going to be very helpful for anywhere from a novice hunter to, to a diehard, so we hope you check those out. So what we do with these Off the Record podcasts um, is we use these as a tool for if something piqued your interest in those web series videos, um, which are a little shorter, uh, we did one off the record podcast for every video segment as a way to kind of drill down further um, into a lot of those segments. And we brought a lot of folks along uh, for these podcasts. Today we've got two, two great guys and some, some DNR guys as well. So today we're going to cover habitat, habitat management and its importance in um, not only deer hunting, but just overall uh, quality of life out there, other wildlife. Um, so we'll get into all that. So today we've got Eric Canania, the assistant big game ecologist at DNR. Eric Barber, who is the social media coordinator at DNR. We've got Kurt Jacob and Kim Zilke, who are DMAP cooperators. Um, they've been extremely active in the program. And we've got Bob Knack, our big game ecologist. So. Before we get started, I guess the primer of this is it all starts with good habitat. Um, I think everyone would agree that that's just about square one in deer hunting. Um, so we're going to talk about the DMAP program. Um, we're going to talk about what uh, Kurt and Kim have maybe seen on their properties, um, what they've liked about the program, uh, working with folks like Bob and, and Eric. So. Uh, why don't we get started? We'll we'll start with kind of a high level question. I figured this one could be kind of a um, a roundtable type question where everyone gets a crack at it, um, and then we'll get into some of the, the some of the DMAP stuff and some of that. So, Eric, why don't we start with you? Um, why is habitat important to deer hunting? Super easy question, huh? Well, <laughs> habitat is the house house and home of deer. So without that, you essentially will not have deer or deer hunting, and habitat is variable it changes over time it's nothing is static and you you need to be able to read your habitat and how that is affecting deer and deer hunting eric what are your thoughts i think one of the best things you t touched on there is how it's always changing i mean habitat especially in a diverse state like wisconsin where we have you know big timber cuts up in the northern part of the state and just such diverse habitat all throughout the state you know, it's really important to be able to identify the areas that are, you know, most conducive to, to deer and where they're going to want to spend the most of their time and other wildlife. And, you know, if you're not developing that line of understanding, I think you're in for a rough season. So, mm -hmm. Kurt? Um, I think not just habitat in general, but you, you start looking at it from a, an annual basis. The habitat that deer are going to be using different times of the year, Obviously, everybody's concentrating on the hunting season, but um, what do those deer need during the winter after the season's done? 
Um, do they need thermal cover? Do they need more food other than just what the food plots and that are going to provide? Um, so you really almost have to look at it as a, a year-round habitat. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. I think that's something a lot of people might not think about. They want they want that concentration where they want deer for that maybe week or month out of the year, but they might not be thinking long term for a whole year. So I think that's an excellent point, uh, Bob. Yeah, I just try to you know I think about deer habitat. I try to oversimplify it, you know, and it, it to me it it is a lot of common sense. I mean, deer and any other critter out there needs food, shelter, and water. And, you know, if you can provide that on your property, um, uh, you know, that, that's going to be to your benefit. And, and especially if you're thinking about deer, if you're a deer hunter, unless you're relatively new, you, you probably know kind of habitat and, and things that attract deer. Um, and so it's not simply enough just to have trees on your property. Um, as I'm sure we'll get into, there's some more mm -hmm. activities that you need to do mm -hmm. to really make it beneficial. Kim? Mm -hmm. Well, you know... We do a lot of sharing of ideas, and we do walk-arounds on my farm and the other farms. We're trying to, you know, get good ideas on how to improve the habitat, and we uh, boil it down to really it's food, cover, and water. It's very that it's just that simple. And if you go out there this time of year, most likely all of that exists. And and then we go out and hunt, and then uh, we uh, some guys uh, are there year-round, other guys just don't have the ability or don't think about being out there and it's it's a year-round process and you really need to I want to emphasize the whole idea of looking at it at different seasons of the year and if you want to keep deer on your property those three things have to exist mm -hmm. it's just that simple and you'll hear a lot of people too talking about how they can't wait for the next deer season what you guys mentioned is the perfect way to keep deer season kind of going all year round and I think people might not think about that too that's a good way to kind of stay engaged and stay excited about deer hunting the whole year mm -hmm. it doesn't just boil down to to when you're hunting it's it's putting in that prep time too so so as I mentioned uh, Kim and Kurt are both DMAP cooperators so before we get into kind of and that's the deer management assistance program so before we get into more on that, Bob, can you just give kind of a high-level overview of what the DMAP program is? Sure. Uh, so the DMAP program here in Wisconsin was rolled out in 2014, and it's really a program that, again, trying to keep it simple, is, is really focused on providing support to landowners that want to do good things for wildlife on their property. Um, we can certainly focus on deer, but recognize that a lot of the, the work that you're doing for, for deer is going to benefit a whole suite of other wildlife species. And so uh, landowners can sign up online, uh, go to the DNR webpage and type in DMAP and you create your own account when you sign up. Um, there's three levels to the program. Uh, the first level, there's no, no cost to, to be enrolled and there's no minimum acreage requirement. So really anybody that's interested in, uh, in deer in general and you might have you know a, a small small acreage, certainly encourage you to sign up. Um, the second level, and, and with all these levels, you get to know your local biologist. I'm sure we'll talk about some of the workshops that we do. You get a um, regular uh, uh, publications and information exchange uh, from me. Um, at that level too, uh, there is a minimum acreage requirement of 160 acres to enroll. There's an enrollment fee uh, for a three-year agreement. That's $75. And with that, you get... Uh, 
Uh, a couple additional benefits, including a site visit from a biologist and a forester, which is pretty unique, I think, with to this program in, in that you'll have two, two professionals show up at your property and uh, uh, do a site visit with you. And, and part of that, too, is a requirement for the landowner to be there. And mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a real learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've heard uh, through, our, through our feedback we've gotten from cooperators that that's the thing they really enjoy the most is that walkthrough with a forester and a, and a biologist. Um, from that site visit, then, the, um, the landowner will receive a management plan, a property-specific management plan based on the feedback they, they collect on the site visit with goals for the property and, and some of the habitat improvement opportunities that are there. Um, along with uh, another benefit, I guess, of the program too, if, if your intent is to um, try to make your property more attractive to deer, um, at some point uh, uh, there's a balance between wh what the property, the habitat there can support for deer. And so another benefit of the program is landowners are eligible for reduced price antlerless tags and mm -hmm. so if you're you know re really good at attracting a bunch of deer to your property it's your responsibility then as well to to keep the herd in balance mm -hmm. with with uh, what's out there and so those tags help landowners do that i think that's a problem a lot of deer hunters wouldn't mm -hmm. wouldn't mind getting too good at attracting deer <laughs> well some of that gets into also uh knowing what your neighbors are doing i we've got neighbors to the south of us that They'll tell you they just don't shoot any does. Mm -hmm. I've got uh, there's 140 that borders me to the north. If it's brown, it's down. Um, but everybody else kind of practices um, a little bit of quality deer management as far as letting the younger bucks pass. Mm -hmm. How young is too young? But it's up to that personal, mm -hmm. up to that mm -hmm. private owner. Mm -hmm. And speaking of neighbors, Bob, isn't there an option to? to work with your neighbors to, to do a co-op mm -hmm. type of thing? Yeah, there is. If, if you know, as I mentioned, the, the acreage requirements and, and to enroll for a site visit and a plan and, and those benefits, uh, 160 acres. Yeah, if, if you don't own 160 acres, um, we encourage people to sign or join uh, cooperatives or form cooperatives, essentially working with your neighbors. And if, you're, if your neighbor's within a half mile of your property, you can combine your acreage uh, manage, you know, essentially managing the properties uh, together. And as Kurt, as Kurt mentioned, there's a lot of benefits to that, not only from a habitat standpoint, but also deer management goals. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking to your neighbor, uh, you know, and kind of getting on the same page. All, all too often we, we hear from landowners, well, we're, we, we don't want to shoot does because we know the guy, uh, the neighbor across the fence is. But I, I have a feeling that it's it, they don't know that for sure because they're not talking to them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, this is getting trying to get everybody on the same page. And mm -hmm. we've had some good success with the cooperative mm -hmm. so far. I think that's so important right there in itself is just getting neighbors to talk with one another. I mean, deer hunting is one of those sports where it's so, you know, me, myself, in a tree stand all alone, you know, and people get protective over one deer or another. That's an awesome way to start bridging that gap and start building those relationships. Mm -hmm. so, right. And another benefit to uh, interacting with your neighbors is that they might have pieces of equipment or knowledge that you might mm -hmm. otherwise not have, and being able to share a tractor, a four-wheeler, a disc, or a planter is going to save you time and money. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're like again, you're building that that gap. So I think too often people focus just on what's happening and what's in their property, but don't really realize that deer not just using 
a lot of most people's properties exclusively they're going on their neighbors so habitat projects on your neighbors development on your neighbors or hunting tactics from your neighbors is going to affect your mm -hmm. property as well so um, better communication with neighbors is definitely key to better deer hunting mm -hmm. yeah, that's an excellent point so bob you had mentioned uh, management plans um, for people listening can you maybe just give an overview of what may be in in one of those some of the recommendations that people may get yeah, so the so the DMAP management plans, uh, you know, we try to find find a balance between uh, making it useful, obviously, for the landowner. We want them to it to be clear, uh, clear and legible and understandable to them. And so um, we we do cover a little bit of the, the history of the property, a general description of the property, but the 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 meat of the plan is uh, providing recommendations to improve the habitat. And then uh, we provide a map of where to do it. So what you should do, where to do it, um, you know, timelines and, and, you know, the seasonality of habitat work is, is in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some of the recommendations, uh, it depends on where you are in the state. Of course, northern Wisconsin, we talk a lot about um, timber management and, and early successional uh, stage forests, especially as it relates to deer or grouse or woodcock. Mm -hmm. Um, so young forest is young, young forest yeah. is is you know a, a primary uh, recommendation if you can do it uh, certainly in northern Wisconsin. Uh, in the south, uh, we talk talk more about invasive species and invasive species management, which I'm sure these guys can can relate mm -hmm. to. Um, you know, and, and we'll talk about food plots and things like that if landowners are interested in that type of thing. Uh, you know, certainly talk about those opportunities, but also talk about the the pros and cons of, mm -hmm. of food plots, but, you know, any habitat work. Mm -hmm. so. You know, one of the topics we've talked a lot about in the, with the biologists and as we've done the walk on my farm is uh, the regeneration of oaks. And we've got an overpopulation of deer and we're, uh, the whole ecology's changed from a dairy sort of industry to a little different sort of industry in which we don't pasture in the woods and, and we've got mm -hmm. old uh, growth uh, oaks that aren't regenerating and we want to refresh that woods but how do you do that and how do you nurture oaks because uh, if there's anything you can do for your deer um, I like to have guys start with what their natural resources are there already mm -hmm. and if you've got oaks on your property how do you get them to produce or recognize which trees are producing and then maybe see if you can start you know adding some additional oaks into your stand and we have had hours of discussion mm -hmm. uh, and you know thinking about best practices mm -hmm. for that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yep Kurt and Kim as you mentioned both DMAP cooperators so I figured we'd, we'd ask both of you uh, and we can start with Kurt so I guess what piqued your interest with DMAP um, why are you a cooperator I'm a cooperator because it enhances everything that I've already been doing. Um, I've always had an interest. Um, we bought our property 10 years ago. Um, it was a fresh set of fresh slate mm -hmm. and we've recorded every hunt, what we've seen, how many deer, bucks, does, how many hours you sat on stand. We've even gone as far as having, having the property gridded out, which part of the grid did you sit in? And, and things like that. And you see trends over time. Um, some of them get into if you hunt in the stand too much, so things may drop off. But, um, but then over the course of time, you also start putting a history together of uh, 
you know what you're seeing where you're seeing amount of sightings per deer out for hunter hour um, the other thing is I've always had an interest in what deer eat and really the one way to really um, assess that is knowing what you have as far as plant species um, you know it can get overwhelming as far as knowing all the plants mm -hmm. but maybe just learn the top 10 and figure out then know those and then find them on your property mm -hmm. see how you can help manipulate them whether it's clear cuts um, or whatever they need you know all plants need sunlight to a certain point so open some things up um, but it's the reason I've joined and cooperated is because it's just a natural progression of what I've always done mm-hmm um, that's great so Kim why, why do you map for you well, it may be similar uh, to Kurt in that we've been doing a lot over the years. I can't say there's a week that goes by that we don't think about something about the managing the land. And uh, we're all, we've always have active projects, but it's not a job for us. We like it. I mean, we enjoy doing it. It gets you in the woods year round. and It can it, get overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, actually, one of the reasons I was maybe hesitant to join DMAP is my list of things to do is very long, and I don't need more. You know, it's sort of like, who's going to implement this? You know, the, my uh, three children always wondering what the next project is because we're never done. But... Um, I think the, the fun part was uh, walking the, the land with uh, the biologist and thinking about um, what deer eat and where they're going to be. And I don't know all the species and I, you know, I was amazed at how many species deer do eat. Mm -hmm. And they, they, are, um, um, they have big appetites and mm -hmm. they'll eat a lot of different things and we've learned um, we're always trying to look for the next idea and a good example for me was on the farm we've got these coolies with uh, staghorn sumac mm -hmm. and, I mean, I, and, and I just never, I mean sumac is pretty in the fall but I just never really thought of it as much of other than just maybe some cover and uh, one of the biologists said well yes you know deer love staghorn sumac and I said you're kidding I said I took one of my hunting buddies, I said, have you ever seen staghorn browse? And he says, no, I'd never have. So that fall we went out and the mature stuff was not browsed, but anything that was little, uh, you know, two, three feet tall, mm -hmm. sure enough, in the spring we had all this browse and I'm going, I'd sure like to have them browse on my sumac rather than my oaks. <laughs> so, you know, one practice that I'm now doing is anytime I've got staghorn sumac that I'm, I'm okay with it being there, I mow it mm -hmm. and I'm keeping that stand fresh. So what you end up with is cover and food in a coulee that wouldn't be producing any ag crops or anything else. Box mm -hmm. elder is another one you can do the same thing with. Um, in the maple family and deer will browse box elder you don't necessarily want it in there for a for a timber species yeah. but if you cut that forester says make sure you treat that when you cut it and I, well there's a lot of nice green shoots yeah. coming up mm -hmm. off there that are feeding deer in the time a high stress time over the winter um so i usually don't treat it i just cut it and if something yeah. gets above the deer's level i cut it Mm -hmm. Let it stump sprout again. So, you know, I think everybody's in a little different place with their property mm -hmm. and what their knowledge is and what their goals are. And so from the standpoint of 
you take guys like Kurt and I who've been doing this for a long time and we're still learning. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of a journey. It's mm -hmm. it, it's not like you arrive, oh, yeah, my habitat's perfect. It's just kind of, you just, every year you see something that you want to do and mm -hmm. it becomes really a passion. It's really fun. Well, I think one of the things that's really cool, just listening to you guys talk about this, we've been ta discussing this for probably about 10 minutes and we've mentioned food plots once. So that's one thing that the hunting media, you know, is created such an interest in food plots and when guys buy land, when they lease land, whatever the case may be, one of the first things they want to do is throw a food plot in the mix. Obviously that's part of the, the process, but there's so much other stuff, you know, by getting invo involved with the DMAP program that you're probably going to open your eyes to and it's, mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, deer are browsers, I mean it's, it's nuts, sticks and berries, yeah. maybe yeah. <laughs> may some leafy plants. Mm -hmm. um, get more of that down to their level and um, they'll be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, I hunt both in northern Wisconsin and southern Wisconsin and they're two very different ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And um, I talk with, and I've done land walks with, you know, buddies on their land. And um, what we've learned, it, you're right, the food plot is like, oh, where do, what seed should I get and mm -hmm. all that stuff. And that's kind of like the second question. Um, but really, where we start is what do you have on your land now? What mm -hmm. what resource do you have? And in the southern part of the state, um, you know, oaks is one, and it's amazing how many wild apple trees that are mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. And you can mentor, trim them up, fertilize them, whatever. Think about you know those as a resource. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if you've got some land that you can put a little pond in, a little water resource, it really helps when mm -hmm. those deer are, when the bucks are chasing in the mm -hmm. fall and they need a drink in the afternoon, it can really help, you know, bring in deer. And mm -hmm. so that's the stuff that I think uh, can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up food plots because, like you said, too often people buy a piece of land and the first thing they want to do is put a food plot mm -hmm. on there while deer biologically are browsers and what they should be doing is focusing on their timber, the other mm -hmm. types of habitat, um, food that equals, uh, or structure that equals food and cover. Those two, um, two concepts are key. Food plot only provides one of them, and your long-term effects are going to be benefited more from mm -hmm. timber production or high timber value for wildlife, whereas that should be started mm -hmm. first than like food plots. And one of the things that the DMAP site visit outlines and a lot of people don't realize is what is actual deer browse? What does it actually mm -hmm. look like? What isn't deer browse? And you know, what are deer feeding on at different types of the year? And you know, a deer might be feeding on a certain plant or a bush in the winter and you think, oh, that's got to be good deer food. But uh, oftentimes that's a low level browse species mm -hmm. that the the indication with that is your habitat isn't supporting the deer that are there and they're resorting it's the best of what's to what's left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yep. that's that's a really good benefit of the site well, visit. One thing I went through, you know, I mentioned is purchased my property about ten years ago is after the purchase I sat down with a questionnaire, I think it was University of Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or something puts it out. Um, this particular one is it's a habitat questionnaire you go through to evaluate your property and it goes through water, um, thickness of your brush, things like that, but you end up finding out what the weaknesses of your property are. And for my particular property, it's 
thermal cover in the winter in winter food. You know, the, having green food plots, they're not going to get you through mm -hmm. December, January, February in this part of the woods. They're going to be eating your browse, and to get that, you, you need things down where they can reach them. That's why I talked about cutting box elder and things like that. Get those tops down there. That helps for that year. If the green shoots come up the next year from the stump sprouts, you've got a couple years there. But again, it's only two or three years. You always have to keep manipulating some way. Or maybe have a timber harvest in some part of the property. Mm -hmm. And in talking with you guys, we've mentioned year-round a few times now, and it's just one of those things where the carrot's always going to be out in front of you. Mm -hmm. Like like you mentioned, you're never gonna you're never gonna learn everything. Right. But I think, for me personally, that's kind of the fun part because mm -hmm. it'd get kind of boring if you knew everything. Mm -hmm. Like you're never going to get to that perfect mm -hmm. 80 acre parcel. There's always going to be something you can do mm -hmm. next year. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's refreshing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, so the flip side of getting the site visits, uh, you guys mentioned before before we started filming this, we were talking about the workshops. So what have you got? So for DMAP, you get workshops with other cooperators. So what have you guys gotten out of those? Um, you know, we kind of talked about earlier the I'll show you mine, I'll show you, you show me yours type thing. And um, you get to see different things that people are trying on their property and what works. Maybe because of your terrain and the type of woods you have, they're completely different. And maybe it won't work, but maybe it's something you want to try. Um, maybe you've got something to offer somebody else who stops by or that, that you can talk to. Um, but there's always something that you can learn mm -hmm. somewhere so one of the things with the dmap program you know the workshops and the way we structure and we have a it's a one-day workshop an indoor session and then we do a tour of somebody's property and you know kurt in the early maybe the first year the gave, first year gave a tour yeah. of your property yeah. and and uh you know one of the things we're learning with people that sign up for the program they're very open and willing to share what they're i mean you just heard it here today share their experience what they've tried what's worked what what doesn't work and and you know even the the deer they harvest the number of deer the size of the box mm -hmm. whatever it's been uh, a great kind of open open discussion and mm -hmm. and i know a lot of people um at least from the response we've gotten from those workshops have been very popular mm -hmm. and you guys have mentioned a few times too that you've been involved with this type of thing for a long time it's kind of what makes your uh clock tick but um from your perspective and maybe bob and eric and eric you guys can speak to this too too but one thing I've noticed, um, just from my own personal experiences, kind of the active habitat management, the culture is kind of changing on mm -hmm. people taking a more active role specifically for deer hunting. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like, I don't know what you guys have noticed, but at least down by me where I hunt, yeah. it's got it's gotten a lot bigger, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'll let these guys comment to it, but my, my perspective on that is, you know, with, with technology and, you know, largely technology, I think as a hunting culture we're getting to be a lot smarter mm -hmm. and i think most people understand that and as i let off that just because you have trees doesn't mean you're going to have deer right. and people are are understanding that and, and then there's organizations and programs out there that are promoting you know a lot of habitat work and so it's almost becoming a the culture you know and it's a good i mean if you're a landowner here in wisconsin mm -hmm. For wildlife, that's a good culture to have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're trying a lot of new things, a lot of different things that we didn't think about doing before. Mm -hmm. You know, on my farm, um, we, ha you know, the, the farm has to be economically viable. So 
Uh, I'm doing uh, the, the prairies and the food plots, but I rent out the, the farmland and I've converted all of the farmland to organic. And the reason was is because the, if you think about the highest and greatest use of, uh, of, for my land would be continuous corn. And continuous corn, today's corn is not very good habitat. It's great cover in the summer, but if you're a really good farmer, you don't have many weeds. Mm -hmm. And the, today's combines don't leave much don't behind. Leave much, no. mm -hmm. And so you, it looks really nice in the summer and the fall. And then after November, you've got kind of this barren field. And so from the standpoint of uh, from the organic production, I get a better rotation. Uh, we, don't, we don't do continuous corn. And then I get more insects and more uh, weed seeds for my birds and for those things. So uh, for me, it was an economic wash. It wasn't because it was more or less uh, financially advantageous, but mm -hmm. you just, just have the, that sort of rotation and, and cultivation was a great advantage to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, Bob, you hit the nail on the head with like the tech, technological advancements that we've had as deer hunters. You know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, deer hunters, they maybe read a magazine or something in the newspaper, or went to, you know, maybe a seminar with a group of different hunters every year. Now we have so many different websites, there's apps for your phone, there's organizations dedicated to deer management. So we just have so many resources available at our fingertips that I think that's why we're seeing this increase in uh, interest, I guess, when it comes to deer management, property management, you know, for wildlife specifically. So I think we're entering a really good good time because we just do have so much available, but it is a it definitely is a change, I think. I still have the little box with a little tripwire that you put on the tree and it recorded the time, the time <laughs> yeah. that yeah. something tripped the wire. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, as a, as a hunting culture, we've changed to from just going out during the nine day and harvesting a deer and having that be it, but to be more stewards of a, the land in most cases where you get pride out of managing your property and maybe you don't go out and harvest a, a mature deer this year but you you're able to see deer feeding and utilizing or just other animals other wildlife using your property um, in some way that you've helped manage it so that in itself is gives individuals pride landowners pride in that versus just harvesting deer mm -hmm. you know that's a shift and i think that's a good shift it's going to be as you know land changes, habitat changes, more fragmentation occurs, that having that valued as a society is going to be key mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's an excellent point. So we, we kicked this whole thing off with why is habitat important for deer hunting, but I think another good question, and these, this is going to be kind of anecdotal for you guys, but so how can active management, you being on the land, boots on the ground, how can that improve your hunting experience? I mean, I guess in, in your own eyes, everyone's probably going to be a little different, whether it's seeing more deer, seeing bigger deer, seeing other wildlife, but um, I guess maybe we'll go around the table again and, and maybe touch on that. So I kind of feel, you know, active management to improve your hunting experience. First off, you're, you're learning your land. The more active management you're doing, you mean more out there, the more you're learning not only what comprises your property but the deer that are utilizing that as well so that's going to carry over directly to your hunting experience mm -hmm. you're going to know how deer are using the lay of your land and at what times of year because it's not it's not um 
how I explain it, it's not the same throughout the year. They're going to be doing different things, using different parts of your property in the spring, summer, fall, and late winter. So knowing how that, how your how your land plays into that, is going to be important. And active active management's going to it's going to be beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. I, I think you know. As far as active management is concerned, I obviously don't own any any land myself, but I was really fortunate to grow up, uh, you know, right down the street from 40 acres that I had sole permission to hunt. And I hunted that from about the time I was 12 until I was, you know, just a few years ago. And as I, you know, continued to learn more about habitat and, you know, management and whatnot, I started to kind of, you know, dissect the property, I guess, with some of the, the things that I was learning. And I added a water hole just one year and added this little you know tiny water hole and in one year i went from you know having very poor sits you know not seeing a whole lot of deer to my wife and i both shot you know our, our biggest bucks ever that year over that little water hole mm -hmm. so that's just one example on a very small property very small you know financial investment into that you know as far as creating the water hole it was literally a 12 dollar plastic kiddie pool so i use the mm -hmm. term water hole very lightly but that's just an example of some of the things that you can do if you're actively managing your property that I think you're going to see return on that in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of it is uh, just being, you become more vested in your property, um, generally more interested in everything that's going on with it. Um, you just feel a little bit more vested and, and you take a lot more pride in that. Um, that's probably the biggest reason for me. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, you know, I was thinking along the lines of Eric's Eric Barber's comments with doing doing something. You know, time we know that time is limited and funds are limited for many landowners. But I think I think just doing something, uh, if if you're not satisfied with your deer hunting, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much with deer. Especially you cut something and the, and they'll show up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so really, it, you don't have to think about it on a very large scale. Mm -hmm. The um, the spot that we deer that I deer hunt up in Price County, the landowner uh, it was seventy acres and and the aspen it was mostly aspen and, and some tag alders and it was thirty five forty years old and we just you know it's pretty standard grouse management techniques small cl clearings yeah. and uh, uh, you know over the course of a winter uh, he got enrolled in the MFL program and did that and has been very happy with the results he's seeing more deer mm -hmm. and so it. it it uh, you know again those are a couple easy steps that you can you can take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that's <clears throat> impacted me in looking at the habitat is it's it's actually driven me to look big picture, relative. I don't care if you got 40 acres or 120 or whatever it is. Take a look, go look at Google Earth and start looking at your surrounding territory and see mm -hmm. where do you think deer are eating, where do you think they're bedding, where do you think their uh, sanctuaries are, and all of a sudden you'll start asking your neighbor, are you going to put beans on that field this spring, you know, or what, mm -hmm. what's your plans for this, and you know, what if you and I just left this 20 acres as a sanctuary and neither one of us would go into this area and you know the line fence goes down through the middle of it mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. you know both of us you start thinking okay about the habitat in a larger scope i think there's some really cool things you can end up doing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely so this is as good a group to ask as any easy question knowledge of what good habitat looks like 
makes you a better deer hunter. That seems like a pretty, mm -hmm. pretty agreed upon thing. And DMAP is an opportunity to, maybe you're not that far along in knowing some of that stuff, but kind of to learn as you go and mm -hmm. kind of see yourself progress as a hunter and see your, your property get, get better. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about deer. Um, so with DMAP and, and that active management, Bob and Eric, maybe you want to talk to this first, but is there is there other things you're going to see other than hopefully more deer with the DMAP program? What are some of the other benefits? Well, uh, I know Kurt had an interest in songbirds or forest yeah. birds at um, one time. Yeah, I, I still do, and it's... Uh, we did a clear cut in 2013 and it didn't take long. The next spring uh, through the migration, um, the warbler, sparrow, um, towies, I mean, it's the whole hillside, you'd walk through there and it was just like, it was alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, er everything moved mm -hmm. and it's even gotten to be more so over the sequential years. Mm -hmm. um, with one of the, we planted it in, put in some warm season CRP last year and it took a walk through that on Sunday and it's the same thing um, just a different time of the year now mm -hmm. um, there was another a sit that I had on Saturday night was above a thinning that was it's all blackberry and raspberry brush now mm -hmm. and it was just alive mm -hmm. and yeah, that's one of the, I think one of the neat things about the program is is you, you get, you know, landowners, and in Wisconsin, it's a big deer hunting state, right, and that, that's great. Um, and so they buy recreational land because they're interested in deer hunting, and so they get in this program, and then they meet with a biologist, and you start talking about deer, but you start talking about grouse and woodcock and turkeys and songbirds, mm -hmm. and... And they feed on that, and all right. of a sudden you can see their their heads thinking, right. oh, yeah, you know, I right. could, you know, and they start... Uh, you know, through the program, we encourage them to record your wildlife observations. And so all of a sudden they're, they're thinking more about grouse. Well, I just heard a drumming grouse, you know, and they start tracking that stuff. Yeah. And it just, it just builds in, inside, I think, which mm -hmm. is, which is great. Mm -hmm. Kurt and I were talking about uh, milkweed on our respective mm -hmm. farms and what we're, and this year, um, I would have never guessed we would have done this and five years ago. We were recording how many monarch butterflies the family saw in a day, you know, and, and we're just yeah. curious as to know what the habitat's doing and, you know, what the changes are and with all the pollinator stuff going on, we, we were very, very curious, so we started recording it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we noticed um, when we had that timber harvest in 2013 is the turkey seasons before that, sometimes they would be there, sometimes they wouldn't, mm -hmm. but since that... Uh, first year of growth the turkeys are always there because now the nesting habitat's there the hens are always there mm -hmm. and that brings the toms in so it's if you can get early successional habitat in um it's going to attract so many more species than just deer mm -hmm. um you know it's a, it's it's a good thing to, to cut some trees mm -hmm. you know that's that's a good example i've done active timber management in the past and we would be doing TSI, hinge cutting on a piece of property to improve not only economics, but deer habitat. And we would see indirect responses that were, you know, you're creating a micro habitat, a micro climate when you're mm -hmm. doing active management and you'd see an insect response and therefore the, the turkeys were in there. And then we, you know, we would constantly be cutting and doing other 
other management practices and throughout the summer we just started seeing more and more turkeys more and more dusting sites we were making uh, nesting sites and the landowner next year he said he's never seen so many turkeys and that was an indirect response to what we were doing mm -hmm. and that kind of plays into part of this this is this program's DMAP or the deer management assistance program and deer are an umbrella species you actively manage for deer and yeah. you benefit all the species mm -hmm. underneath it so they're generalist and edge specialist and when you kind of when you kind of make habitat favorable to that you're going to benefit a lot of other species and you know i guess tying into that when you have a site visit a lot of times landowners don't know the values of certain timber species and you might have a bunch of mature white oaks or black walnut that are you know going to be shortly past their uh the prime of their lives and you're going to lose economic potential and you can go in you can open up your property you know activate new growth to get some money out of it and then use that money to put into other active management we thought, man i don't i don't have enough money to to put in a food plot or put in trails but little do people know you know their timber is worth something mm -hmm. and that money mm -hmm. can be put directly into the property and that's a that's good where you good way to point that out because my CRP payment that I get every year that's my budget for what I'm doing the mm -hmm. next year mm -hmm. yeah. and mm -hmm. just kind of roll it. Mm -hmm. it it's generated by the property it stays with the property is mm -hmm. how I look at mm -hmm. it so. and generally property is rated at a you know base price based off of the area so it could be worth three thousand dollars an acre but you could have a veneer walnut tree on that property that's worth ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars and mm -hmm. you know to the untrained eye, I guess, sort of speak, mm -hmm. you'd never know that. So, mm -hmm. And those are things you're going to learn yep, as you kind of move through these programs. Mm -hmm. And Bob, you kind of mentioned, too, the wildlife observation, recording that. Um, can you talk a little bit about, for the maybe the people who like to dig into the data metrics, can you talk about that side of DMAP? Sure. So one of, one of, one of the things with DMAP that we provide the opportunity and encourage landowners to do is collect data. And... And not only, uh, I, I think of it in two areas. One is um, um, data on the deer they harvest. And so, um, you know, the part, part of the reason for doing that is, um, one, to, to if you have goals for your property, and in some cases it's more deer or less deer or more mature deer or whatever it might be, um, if you're not writing it down or recording what you've harvested, uh, you're relying on your memory, and if anybody's like me, my memory is short. Mm -hmm. And so um, developing a, a, da a long-term data set on the deer you harvest um, is, you know, a good thing. And, and uh, you know, we, we have it set up in the DMAP program for people to do that. The other aspect of data collection is the, the wildlife reaction to your habitat work, really. And so I, I kind of touched on it earlier Um you know, uh, if you're in your tree stand or at the cabin or whatever, um, you know, start recording the, the critters you're seeing out there. And again, over time, you can track that. And, and you know, you may, you may have, have done an aspen clear cut for grouse. Well, if you're doing uh, drumming counts in the spring and tracking that over time, you're going to be able to see that response, which is pretty rewarding. Um, if you're not writing it down, you know, it's just you know, might not be as solid uh, mm -hmm. in your memory bank. So, um, yeah, so those are things we certainly encourage. And each year for the um, the level twos and threes that get site visits, um, we provide an annual, it's called an annual harvest report. Um, 
and it summarizes the data on the deer that they've entered into the database. Now it's up to the cooperator to enter that data. And so the report's only going to be as good as the data you put into it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, some of our cooperators are really, really into it and mm -hmm. they do that and others choose not to, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's a kind of a unique aspect of the mm -hmm. program. And correlation doesn't always equal causation, but one thing that would be interesting to me is to look at those independent factors and see kind of where, where there may be overlap, things you might not think about. So mm -hmm. one year you had, it was really good in this aspect and we had a really good deer hunt and you may not have think about those crossing over mm -hmm. before. So that's, that's something that's, that's interesting to me. I think that's a cool part of it. Mm -hmm. But um, So it sounds like you guys, um, safe to say you're both glad that you have enrolled in DMAP. Mm -hmm. So sure. for people who, who, list, who are listening that might, might be on the fence, might not be sure, um, how easy is it to get into DMAP on the most basic scale? So, so what, what does someone need to do to get started? Well, so for signing up, we try to make it as easy as possible. That you, know, you can go to the DNR webpage, type in keyword DMAP, and see more on the information on the program, and then hit a button, and you create your own account so it is protected by a user ID and password. So there's a little bit of a couple steps there to mm -hmm. do it. Um, but we've, we've found uh, from feedback through cooperators that uh, you know, that's manageable. And once you get through that step, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. so, and, and people can sign up at level one. And we've, had that, uh, we've had landowners do that too. They're like, eh, I'm not too sure about this program and I don't know how much time I'm going to have to dedicate to it. You're going to tell me all this stuff to do to help my property. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And, you know, our message is, hey, sign up at level one. It's not going to cost you anything. Get your foot in the door. Get involved, as, as involved as you want to be. And then we've had uh, cooperators do that. And then in the next year or maybe two years, they say, okay, I'm ready, mm -hmm. you know, for site visits and stuff it, like that. And so. if there's also an option to make your contact information available. So once you get in at level one um, and you make your information available you're not going to get a ton of calls from other dmap cooperators cooperators and that but then you're also getting the contact information for other cooperators um and you can give them a call <coughs> ask them what their thoughts are as long as they have <coughs> the product mm -hmm. um, program and that um another thing we haven't taught talked on at all is uh the county deer advisory committees for cdac you can look up your county representative for dmap in in each county this mm -hmm. you know and it gets some input from them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a really good point i'm glad you, i'm glad you brought that up too so so kind of moving forward here i'm going to kind of combine two bullet points so we've talked about kind of the nuts and bolts of how to sign up so overall what do you guys think for someone who wants to see more deer on their land they'd they weren't happy last season, maybe with the amount of deer that they, they saw. What's one thing that every landowner can do to get started? Obviously other than enrolling in DMAP, but how do they get their foot in the door? Do, do they have to have um, kind of this deep ingrained interest in habitat or? I think it goes, you know, back to kind of what we talked about earlier with active management, you know, just like you said, Bob, just do something, mm -hmm. you know, in the, I read a lot of like deer hunting blogs and the common root, especially during the off season is just do something, you know, whether it's rake a path to your tree stand, make sure you got a nice easy, you know, easy access into your favorite spot, 
or making a kiddie pool, you know, or doing something as large scale as a, a timber harvest on your property. There's all different levels of, of um, you know, things that you can check off your list during the off season. And that's really going to lead to, you know, more, um, more, a more rewarding hunt, I think, in the fall. Whether you're seeing more deer or not, at least you know that, hey, you know, I did that and that's something that, you know, is part of my plan moving forward into this year. So I think just doing something is the starting point. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's important to note that habitat management is not a, uh, it's not a sprint. It's something that you're going to work on. It's going to take years and it's always going to be involved or be evolving. And you, the biggest thing you I think I would recommend the landowners is getting to know your land. You need to have a baseline of what what habitat you have, vegetative communities, your soil compos composition, tree health and age, where your access is, your um, neighbor information. But you got to have some type of a baseline data to know what management you're going to do in the future and how to um, how that management is how the wildlife is responding to that management if you're doing something you need to know if it's working and you won't know if something's working without knowing how things responded before it started so i think just taking a step back knowing your land and realizing you know this isn't this isn't a sprint you have time work within your means your capabilities and doing something is going to get you somewhere so if you go back to one thing that somebody can do to make their deer hunting better right now, grab a chainsaw and go and cut something. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's stress, quick. Stress relief. It's, yeah. it's, it's quick. Like exercise. Yeah. Get the hockey mask on. And... You know, this is where it, you know, it helps to know what you're cutting. I mean, you don't want to go out and cut a, a young tree that could be a quality timber someday, but um, maples, they're usually a dime a dozen. Go out and cut a few of them. They're a good browse species. Mm -hmm. Um, cut enough of them so it opens up a little spot in the, the canopy to get you're going to get the the growth or the the browse from the tops right away you get light hitting the floor you're going to get the uh, um, the young growth coming in behind it then the next year mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. my, fire my, it up my, th my thought went a little bit different from habitat i was thinking to get started pick up the phone and contact your local biologist mm -hmm. Uh, every, you know, we have one in every county or every two counties, and they'd be more than willing to help you out and have a conversation with you. And you know, they have the experience of working with other landowners. Uh, so yeah, call your local DNR biologist. And and then the other kind of piggybacking on that, I'm looking at the shirts around me, the Culverts Program and QDMA. There's tons of organizations and and programs out there that, again, if you're not ready to jump into active management yourself, you can. Test the waters a little bit by participating in some of those programs. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would forever. I would just recommend prioritization. You you're kind of you're going to probably fall in one of two camps. One is I've got a new lease or I got new land and I don't know what to do, mm -hmm. or I've got a lease and land with a lot a list of things I I can do and I and I don't have enough time to do them. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the more satisfying things you can do is pick one or two that you can implement mm -hmm. and do and follow up with and you can then you'll see results because mm -hmm. you won't do it all it's a journey it's not a sprint mm -hmm. and pick the things that you think are going to get a biologist get another um, hunter to walk the property with you get some good ideas prioritize and then I think you'll be a lot happier mm -hmm. if you take it off in bite-sized pieces mm -hmm. and there's once you 
get a list and decide what you want to do, items on that list can seem daunting too, but the Natural Resource Conservation Service, um, Pheasants Forever, Wild Turkey Federation, QDMA, I mean, they can all give you ideas and where to turn to. Um, NRCS could even have some programs that you could get into that um, maybe you get a little bit of financial benefit from too besides mm -hmm. to help you with future projects. Mm -hmm. And like Eric had mentioned too with technology, I think that's a great point that managing your land shouldn't seem inaccessible. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't seem like this daunting top of the mountain thing that whether on the internet or, or through partner groups or through DMAP cooperators, there are tons of resources out there to help. So it, it, sh it shouldn't feel like um, you're on your own or, or you may feel like you're getting thrown into the deep end just because there's so many resources available that can kind of help you get started and get to the level that, that these guys are at mm -hmm. where, they're, where they're doing probably some of the more advanced stuff now. Kim on. I will be the first ones to tell you, you can bite off more than you can <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> well, you guys didn't have to admit that. That was, but, that was very noble. Of you right there. It's, it's like eating the elephant, bite at a time. Mm -hmm. You know what you can do, do what you can. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we kind of touched on this, but one thing we like to close um, a lot of these podcasts with is kind of the one thing theme. So what's one thing we'll go around again, maybe that you wish you knew earlier, in managing your land that someone that's maybe just getting into it would really help them right now? I think the most important thing, and it's kind of what I touched on before, is just knowing what your property has to offer, being able to identify species and how the deer are using those species. So the, the better you know your land, the better you're going to be able to make future management decisions, and that's going to affect your deer hunting positively. So. I agree. I mean, going off of that, I think one thing too to, to recognize is if you line up, I don't care how many different deer hunters, you know, a hundred different deer hunters and ask them what their favorite parts about deer hunting is, you're going to get a hundred different answers. So DMAP is one of those programs that, you know, whether you want to see more deer, you'd want to, whatever your experience is that you're, you're going after, it'll help you get to that level. Same thing for non-hunters. People own properties for lots of different reasons. If people simply just want to see more wildlife, DMAP is probably a great avenue to use to, to uh, pursue that. Mm -hmm. well, one thing to go off of Eric's comment about knowing what you have as far as plants and that, again, knowing what the neighbors have as far as topography, plant species, mm -hmm. things like that. The neighbors to my north, their, um, their vegetation and the, the shrub layers and down um, are completely different than mine. I can see why deer are coming to mine instead of staying on theirs all the time. I mean, it's just clear underneath. Mm -hmm. Maybe a patch of raspberry brush here and there, but mm -hmm. it's completely different. Hope they're not watching. <laughs> I hope they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my, my, my comments, maybe not what, what I wish I knew, but maybe just some closing thoughts and, and Eric hit on one of them that we probably failed to mention with the DMAP program is that it's, the tagline is a partnership for healthy deer and healthy habitat. And so we have people enrolled in DMAP that are maybe not trying to attract more deer to their property. And oftentimes it's because they're logging and they're doing mm -hmm. some active timber management. Right. They got too many deer, even in northern Wisconsin. And so they're interested in the program more from the antlerless tag aspect. 
and uh, trying to reduce deer numbers. And so, you know, it, it, the program's great in that it works with people to, to balance those, uh, those goals. Um, and then, you know, the, just the, the other thought I had as far as active land management, you know, and just getting involved with that is, uh, um, you know, that the healthy lifestyle aspect of it, getting out in your woods, walking and swinging a chainsaw or whatever you're doing. <laughs> And then and engaging your, you know, I, I have a young family, so yeah. we enjoy taking our That's girls great. out there and they're picking yeah. up sticks. and Better known as the help. The help, well, <laughs> I don't know how much help they are sometimes, but <laughs> we get them out there and they're, they're finding stuff. And so it's just a neat family thing to do too and, and to spend time outdoors and, and, you know, they're learning and you're making some progress mm -hmm. on your goals too. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say just think food, cover, and water and think year-round. I think th uh, thinking around the clock helps a lot in terms of, um, you know, uh, having mm -hmm. deer there. And then the last piece would be just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Have fun with it year-round. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Do anyone have any closing thoughts? Words of wisdom? Mm -hmm. Something deep? You know, one, one thing maybe <laughs> to touch on with Kim's comment about year-round is, if you're not managing year-round and you don't know what your weaknesses are, um, the deer are eating your brows during those stress periods. Um, and make sure you get out there and make sure your deer numbers are right for, for your situation. And this can help you do that. Mm -hmm. Just a closing thought on on the DMAP program. One of the things when we kind of designed the program, we tried to, um, you know, make it as user friendly as possible. And honestly, no no strings attached. And you know, the goal is is to help landowners. And so I think I think we've successfully done that. The the feedback that we get through surveys on people that are in the program is very high. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I th and I think people appreciate that, that they're not, you know, signing up and committing to something that they, they have to do. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's really designed to be kind of a mutual learning opportunity for, mm -hmm. for everyone involved, including mm -hmm. the, the DNR. I mean, we, mm -hmm. and you got guys here that have a lot more experience uh, over the years of managing land, and, and so we, we learn from them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the thing we've learned with DMAP and with QDMA is um, the landowner uh, give them the information and let them set their goals because they're all in unique situations. They have unique resources. They got unique experiences that they want to have for their family or whatever. So give them the tools mm -hmm. that, that they can enjoy their land or their lease in a much better way. And, mm -hmm. and it's not like you're being told what to do No, as much as you're being given tools mm -hmm. to accomplish what you think will work for you and your family. Mm -hmm. And technology's got a little something to do with that. There's, everybody's got their opinions and theories on how to hunt and what, what mm -hmm. to hunt. And it's, nobody's right. No, I should say nobody's wrong. Right. Um, <laughs> I like the first one. <laughs> Better way to say it. Um, you do it the way you want to. And, and as far as you know, some of the other government programs, whether it be state or federal, DNR is strictly, or the DMAP is strictly that. It's just a tool. Nobody's dictating to you what to do through this program. Mm -hmm. They're just giving you the tools to use as you will to make things, make it a better hunting experience for you. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note that, you know, 
private landowners in the department, we're all on the same all same team. We're all working to, towards a common goal. We want to ensure that this tradition of deer hunting is just as deeply rooted now as it is in 50 years. So we can learn from each other and you know, we're, we're all here to work together. So as soon as we can start doing that, we're all going to benefit mm -hmm. and the, the habitat, the resource, and the future of deer hunting mm -hmm. is going to benefit. That's the deep thought we were <laughs> well, <Yeah. sorry. laughs> So we better close on that That's a, perfect. before we say something stupid. But, um, so thanks for joining us, um, and thanks for taking the time out of your guys' day to join us as DMAP cooperators. Um, hopefully someone who's listening to this, it piques your interest, you head out the back door and go walk your property and, and start thinking about this stuff. We're going to put links to DMAP um, and some managing your land links uh, under this video. So it's never been easier to get involved in DMAP. The feedback we're getting is good. Um, these guys touched on a lot of important topics about this. It's just a tool. Um, these aren't mandates that you have to go out and do it. This is going to give you a toolbox to hopefully um, manage your land just how you want it. Uh, so again, I just want to thank our sponsors, Legendary Whitetails, Mayville Engineering Company, and Vortex Optics. Without them, none of this would have been possible. Uh, we're trying to kind of change the way we do things, and I think this is a step in the right direction. As a reminder, uh, check out the web series segments if you haven't. Um, they're at dnr.wi.gov, keywords Wild Wisconsin, on our YouTube page, WIDNRTV, uh, Facebook and Twitter pages. We've got an Instagram now, WI underscore DNR, so check that out. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, so thanks for joining us for another Off the Record podcast. This one we talked about habitat. I think we had some great discussions. So um, get out on your land and start exploring. <laughs>